You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is February 9th, which means you only have five days left to prepare for Valentine's Day. And let's be honest, after the year we've all been through, remember to focus on what's really important this year. You know, don't worry about spending a lot of money on champagne or jewelry. All you need to give your loved one is two stolen vials of the Pfizer vaccine. Anyway, on tonight's show, why India is beefing with Rihanna, Dulce Sloan weighs in on Gorilla Glue, and Donald Trump is on trial for murder, ring the Constitution. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with today's big story. Donald J. Trump, unemployed Twitter bot and former president of the United States. Today, Trump became the only president ever to face a second impeachment trial, which is pretty impressive when you consider he only showed up to work about half of the time. I mean, if Trump really applied himself as president, we could be on impeachment number, like, 35 by now. And the trial kicked off today with Democrats presenting a video which showed Trump's speech on January 6th interspersed with scenes of violence from his supporters. We're gonna walk down and I'll be there with you. We're gonna walk down. We're gonna walk down to the Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the Capitol. Let's take the Capitol. Let's take the Capitol. Wow, what a powerful video that Republican senators didn't see because they pretended to go to the bathroom. But you can definitely tell that this impeachment is the sequel because the sequel always has to turn things up to 11. The original impeachment was like, listen to this diplomat, describe a phone call as you ponder the meaning of quid pro quo. But this impeachment is like, Michael Bay presents, bum, 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 impeachment two, we're storming the Capitol. But after the video, it was the Trump defense team's turn to make their best possible case. Although based on how it went today, I'm worried that Trump is gonna get the chair. My name is Bruce Castor. I am the lead prosecutor, lead uh, counsel for the 45th president of the United States. I was an assistant DA for such a long time, I keep saying prosecutor, but I do understand the difference, Mr. Raskin. <laughs> I don't want to steal the thunder from the other lawyers, but Nebraska, you're going to hear, is quite a judicial thinking place. My parents had on a record, and we still know what records are, right? On the thing you put the needle down on and you play it. And uh, I, the other day, when I was down here in Washington, I came down earlier in the week to try to f figure out how to find my way around. I worked in this building 40 years ago. I got lost then, and I still do. The founders recognized that the, or the argument that I started with, that in, he talks about gallant men, who's the name of the, of the uh, 
of the album. Good Lord. Trump's lawyer is giving the speech you give when you have to stall because the actual lawyer is stuck in traffic. Trump is probably watching this at home like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? The ad on the side of the bus said that he was the best. Why would he be on a bus if he's not the best? Although I will say this, the fact that Trump now has a lawyer who's not leaking printer toner out of his head, that's a step in the right direction. Now here's the crazy thing. It doesn't actually matter what this guy says. He could get up there and trim his pubes for hours because the jury has already reached its verdict. In just the last hour, the Senate voted that the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump can move forward. Six Republicans joined with Democrats in a 56 to 44 vote saying the impeachment trial is constitutional. The question though is, would there in any scenario be enough Republicans to cross the aisle to vote to convict uh, the former president, Donald Trump? And given that just six crossed the aisle here on this vote today, uh, and they'll need 17 to do that in order to convict him, uh, it doesn't look like the impeachment manager are gonna be able to get there. That's right, people. Before this trial even started, almost every Republican juror has made it clear that they don't want a trial at all. And I get it. I get why Republicans voted this way. Because on the one hand, yes, an angry mob stormed the Capitol building where they work and could have killed them, yes. But on the other hand, everyone hates jury duty. Although, honestly, I don't know why some of these senators are even allowed to be on the jury. It was my understanding that saying crazy shit like, I wanna overthrow the government, was how you got out of jury duty. And I know that this vote might make the trial seem pointless now, yes. But just because we know how the trial will end, doesn't mean the trial shouldn't take place. I mean, when you're watching Law and Order, right, you turn it off in the first five minutes when the cops interview a dentist who obviously killed his patient to cover up an affair? Of course not. You watch the whole thing because then you get to say, I knew it, when you end up being right. Now, we're gonna keep you up to date on the impeachment right up until the moment that Trump is acquitted. But for now, let's move on from President Trump to someone else dealing with a never-ending bad hair day. Gorilla Glue is now responding after a woman used their product in her hair. Tessica Brown posted on Instagram earlier this month that her hair had been stuck in the same style for over a month after she used Gorilla Glue spray to keep her hair in place. Brown says she used the Gorilla Glue after she ran out of her usual spray. Brown had to actually go to the hospital for medical help in removing the glue. She's taken to social media with her plans of hiring an attorney to pursue charges against Gorilla Glue. She claims while the product's label warns against using on eyes, skin, or clothing, it does not mention hair. Ah, man. You gotta feel bad for this woman. Because as crazy as this is, I kinda know how she feels. Right? One time, I accidentally ordered Papa John's pizza thinking it was food. No one warned me. Now, obviously, I have my own thoughts on this story, but to get a more relevant perspective, I'm gonna bring in our very own resident hair expert, Dulce Sloan. Dulce, what's going on? I thought I would uh, give you a call. Well, well, well. Hmm. Uh-huh. You would be calling me when there's a black woman in the news. No, 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 don't say, come on, it's not like that. Oh, so you want to talk about Elon Musk and, you know, you want to talk about Tesla buying up Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, yeah, but but for now, I wanted to talk about the Gorilla Glue Girl. Mm-hmm, that's what I thought. Look, Trevor, just because a black woman does something doesn't mean you have to talk to me, okay? You could have talked to Ronnie. You could have talked to Costa. I mean, he thinks Black Lives Matter. You know, I don't want to talk about this as a black woman. 
you know what, Dulce? I I didn't I didn't I didn't even think of. I apologize. Um, we we can just we can just end this. But I do want to talk about this as a crafter, because I'm a crafter, Trevor. You know, I'm sitting here making Valentine's Day cards for my friends, and I got all the adhesives here. Okay, I got double sided tape. I got a hot glue gun. I got titty tape. We holding stuff down over here, Trevor. Okay, so then. What do you make of the story as a crafter? I mean, as a crafter, this story makes me want to buy Gorilla Glue. I mean, if that glue can lock her hair in place for a month, maybe it could have kept me and my ex together. Literally. Joined at the hip. I mean, it would have made sex difficult. But, you know, we'll work it out. Where is he going? You know, it's actually funny you say that because Gorilla Glue actually had to issue a statement defending themselves. They basically said that you can't blame them because the bottle says you can't put it on skin. Yeah, but in her defense, they didn't say you can't put it on scalp. And also the bottle says all the stuff you can put it on. Fabric, wood, plastic. She must've read all of that and been like, well, if this can put wood down, my edges are gonna be immaculate. So you sympathize with Tessica Brown? Of course I do, Trevor. No one wants to see someone go through some shit like this. You know, black women, we want our edges to be laid, but not forever. And you should see the comments. A lot of people are trying to help her out. We're like, Tessica, try coconut oil. Try acetone. Try Jesus. Yeah, Dulce, now you know someone is in trouble when even the online commenters are like, no, we need to help this person. That's how serious this got. The only question is, like, how do you think this whole thing is gonna end? I think this is gonna work out for her. I mean, at some point, her hair's gonna get fixed. And in the meantime, she's lucky she was going for a ponytail when this all happened. I mean, imagine she was trying to do some new shit and ended up with a mohawk this whole time. Oh, like my Uncle Josh. He got an awful haircut this one time. Let me show you. You, you know, Trevor, I gotta go. I got, I'm, I'm, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta. Is, is everything, is everything okay, Dulce? You know, it's my prayer time. Uh, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go. Are you, are you stuck to your, did you put your glue gun on your chair? Hey, you, no, man. I'm trying to give you a nice little exit. I'm trying to give you a little show, a little razzle dazzle, you know, kind of like a sweep out. See, that's not about, you worried about- Dulce, if, if you glued, if you're glued to your chair, you should call, you should call someone, Dulce. I, I, I got this, it's fine. I got some acetone somewhere. Don't worry about me. All right, well, will you let me know if you need help, Dulce. Dulce Sloan, everybody. All right, let's move on now to our main story. And it comes out of India, the country that Christopher Columbus's dumbass couldn't find. And we're talking about India because in a year of global protests, they're in the midst of the biggest one anywhere. Thousands of farmers blocked highways across India today in protest of the country's new agricultural laws. The blockades are only the latest development in the face-off between agricultural workers and the government. This is one of the busiest highways leading to Delhi. It's been blocked for weeks. Tens of thousands of farmers from the northern states of India have marched to the capital city. Last November, they organized a national strike involving 250 million people. That's more than all the adults in America. And their struggle isn't going unnoticed. 
R&B megastar Rihanna asked her 100 million Twitter followers, why aren't we talking about this? Climate activist Greta Thunberg tweeted a message of solidarity. Sparking a furious response from the Indian government. It's also drawn the ire of New Delhi police, who in only the last few hours have now filed a police case citing Thunberg's tweet. Rihanna and Greta Thunberg effigies were burnt recently by pro-government crowds after they tweeted in favor of the farmers. Damn. When a country that hot starts burning shit, you know they aren't messing around. I mean, they're burning Greta Thunberg in effigy, which is really gonna piss her off. I mean, think of all the carbon emissions. By the way, there was definitely at least one guy in that crowd who already had a life-size Rihanna pillow. He was at the protest like, ha no guys, it's an effigy, let's burn it. I definitely didn't marry this pillow. <laughs> so, why exactly are India's farmers protesting? Well, let's step back and find out in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. When you think about farming, what do you think about? You probably think about how it works in the United States. Giant agribusiness companies running giant farms where they raise cows that are so jacked on steroids they look like when you milk them, protein shakes come out of their teats. But most Indian farmers work on a much smaller scale. And it's when the government tried to change that up that the manure hit the fan. This is all happening because Prime Minister Modi's government has passed new farming laws that will change how the agricultural industry has worked for decades. India's agriculture sector makes up nearly 15% of the country's $2.9 trillion economy and employs around half of its 1.3 billion people. The vast majority of India's farmers own fewer than three acres. For decades, they've sold their produce in their home states, government-sanctioned markets called mundis, a system that guaranteed minimum prices on several key commodities. In September last year, the government passed three farm laws that loosen rules on how crops are produced, stored, and sold. The laws allow private players a greater role, and that sparked farmers' fears that they will lose decades-old concessions and be left to fend for themselves at the mercy of the free market. The measures, they say, will only benefit big corporations and push them into poverty. These laws will have an effect on anyone who eats. They will buy from us at very low prices and we lose our livelihoods. Man, that sounds like a really rough situation for those farmers. And if this last year has taught us anything, it's that we cannot take farmers for granted. Nowhere in the world. We need farmers. I mean, we all saw what happened when we tried to grow our own vegetables on our kitchen windowsills. After nine months, what did we grow? Nothing other than resentment and hatred for our roommates. And this law is gonna have widespread repercussions because farming employs 600 million people in India. That's almost twice the entire population of the United States, which, Apart from everything else, it's just another reminder that the Twitter trends are pretty bullshit. I mean, you'd think the entire world is talking about the Joker and the Snyder Cut, when in reality, if everyone was on Twitter, the top trending topics every day would just be wheat. So with their livelihoods at stake, India's farmers decided to make their opposition known by blocking the roads into the capital as a form of civil disobedience. You know, it's like that Mahatma Gandhi quote I saw on the internet. Sitting in traffic sucks major ass. And that's how things stayed for a while, until a couple weeks ago when they escalated it big time. 
The largely peaceful campaign briefly turned violent last week when protesters drove a procession of tractors into the heart of the capital, New Delhi. Some farmers confronted police who fired back with tear gas. The government has arrested more than 120 people and charged farm union leaders with rioting and sedition. Now, the government's responding by using massive concrete barriers to box in the three main sit-in sites along New Delhi's highways. It's also cut off electricity, water and the internet. Delhi police have deployed 50,000 police and paramilitary personnel in and around the capital. There are extra drones flying over protest sites. They have erected thousands of iron nails on some of the roads leading up to some of the sites. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi has broke his silence describing violence in the capital, New Delhi, last Tuesday as an insult to the country. Modi says he'll not change his mind on the new laws, but has repeated an offer to delay them for 18 months. How damn that tractor was moving. It's like someone made a Grand Theft Auto mission in Animal Crossing. But look, clearly the government has decided that they've had enough of this protest because this is a major crackdown. And maybe they think postponing the law will satisfy the farmer, but think about it. In 18 months, people will be in the same position that they are in now, and the protests will happen all over again. I mean, you're basically just giving people 18 months to get angrier and soup up their tractors even more. But you see, this crackdown shows you how worried the government must be about this protest. And honestly, they probably should be, because it's clear that these farmers are digging in for the long haul. Farmers say they are undeterred by the government's crackdown and will continue their protests until the agriculture laws are repealed. Tents have lined the highway where farmers spend cold winter nights. Water tankers are brought in by tractors for bathing, cooking and cleaning. Medical boats have been set up to tend to the sick. Dozens of people, young and old, are busy cooking in community kitchens and serving meals. There's a makeshift mall, a roadside market selling jackets and coats. Youngsters intermittently break the routine with song and dance atop tractors. We've made this our home, whether it takes four years or more. We're here to stay. Now you see there, that's some determination right there. That dude is ready to protest for four years, which doesn't surprise me because nobody on earth is more patient than a farmer. Farmers are the same people who will wait five months to grow an eggplant. An eggplant. I'm not even patient enough to find it in the emoji. Sometimes I'll just send like a cucumber or something. And you know, if you ask me, it was especially smart of those farmers to build a mall inside their camp. Because think about it now, if the government sends in police officers, those cops automatically become mall cops and lose all authority. Check mate. So the next time you see Indian farmers trending, you'll have a little idea of what it all means. The government is trying to force the farmers back to their fields, but the farmers aren't giving up their demands. And nobody knows how this thing is gonna end up. But I don't know, if I may quote one of their prominent supporters, this protest might just work, 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 work. And if you don't know, now you know. All right, when we come back, Robin Roberts is joining us on the show and Noah Centineo is also gonna be here. So stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Good Morning America's very own Robin Roberts. We talked about her new special about the Tuskegee Airmen returning to the studio after broadcasting from home and who the greatest NFL player is of all time. Robin Roberts, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. 
<laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, many people know you as the face of Good Morning America. You have been the face of America's institution for an extremely long time. But a lot of people may not know that you were the face of SportsCenter for 15 years and you covered the NFL for an extremely long time. So I would like to know from you the most important question that is plaguing America right now. Yeah. Is Tom Brady the greatest of all time? Oh, oh, come on. Give me something hard. That, that's a softball you're starting with me. That's a softball? He's the goat. He, okay, he, okay, no, 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 fine. I'll give you a harder one, Robin. Is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? See, now that's, okay, that's harder. <laughs> Is he the greatest athlete of all time? You know what? That's debatable. Uh, I love me some Serena Williams, you know, 23 Grand Slam titles, one when she was pregnant. Try that, Tom Brady, okay? <laughs> you, 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 win an, you win a Super Bowl while pregnant, uh, maybe, maybe we'll talk. But, you know, but it's fun to have this argument, and I'm just glad to, in my lifetime, to have seen, to be seeing someone like that, to have right, seen right. Michael Jordan, to be seeing right. Serena Williams. I mean, we've had some great, great athletes uh, during our time, but he is, he is special. You've always shown love to the team that you work with on camera every single morning. We wake up with you, we enjoy watching you. What has it been like doing the show from home now? Because a lot of your show is about that chemistry that you share in person. It really is. And I gotta tell you, I've got some great teammates at, at GMA. Uh, Michael Strahan, who's at home now because he was diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. And I thank goodness, but now he's broadcasting from home. For a time, George had to do the same. I did it for the longest. I was at home seven months, had my pa, Deucer, my dog, wow. my girlfriend, Amber, helping out. That was really difficult. It was really challenging to keep that, that chemistry when you have like a two-second delay, <laughs> you know? But more than that, it's just... But I have to say, Trevor, when I came back into the studio in September, man, it is like... I, I can't describe the feeling, and I know it's a feeling that a lot of people are going to have once they can get back to their workplace. Right. We've never been better. We've never been more in sync. You've been the face that has guided America through crises. You've been there to share some of the most fun stories. Um, but this new project that you're embarking on might be my favorite Robin Roberts project yet. It's about the Tuskegee Airmen, and it's entitled Legacy of Courage. And what I love about it is not just that you're telling the story, but your connection to the story. Tell me how this all came to be, please. Their, their legacy is so broad, you know, fighting fascism abroad and then racism back here at home. My father, Colonel Lawrence E. Roberts, was a Tuskegee Airman. At the age of 19, he got on a segregated train, trained to be a pilot. What they did in World War II, what the Tuskegee Airmen, AKA the Red Tails, because they had to paint their tails so they would know, because they escorted bombers, and they needed to know that they were friendlies and not right. the enemy that was escorting them like that. Exemplary flying record that they had and that they had to, to fight for that right. And thank Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the first lady at the time, went down to Tuskegee. Can you imagine this? Went down to Tuskegee in the, in the 40s, got in a plane with a black man, flew with him and said, they're all right, let them go. And so then they were able to go and actually be in combat before they could just train, but they couldn't fight. And all they wanted to do was fight for their country like everybody else at that time. I've often seen, I've often seen the story of, of the Tuskegee Airmen as, as, as myth. It's African-American myth and it's beautiful. It's like these legends and these heroes. But this story takes us through a different journey. 
about how they were fighting just to get the military to accept black service members, just to get the American public to accept black service members. It was a challenge that we really take for granted when you're just seeing the accolades that they achieved now. And that's why it's so important that people watch this film because we take you there. All they wanted to do was fight for this country. They wanted to fly. And when they came back from the war, it wasn't as heroes. They came back and after all they had done, they were told back of the bus, you're a second class citizen. And they fought to integrate the military. And also many of them became very, very much a part of the civil rights movement at the time. Right. It really gave us as, as, um, as, as the public um, a, f- a framework to go like, oh my gosh, you know, they were challenged that they didn't have the intellect to fly. But you know what? They showed that excellence, and yes, black excellence can beat adversity of all types. And that's the kind of message that they sent to, to so many people back here in the, in the U.S. There's no denying that in America, there is the dichotomy that many black people face where they say, I love this country, and yet it feels like this country does not love me in return. From your father's perspective and being his daughter and seeing how he navigated this paradox, what do you think we can learn from that journey and, and, and how to, I think, have the conversations in and around patriotism and still challenging America to be better to its citizens? Thank you for using the word patriotism. My father was a patriot, a true patriot. And that's all he ever said. He would talk about how he felt freer in the air than on the land as a black man in this country. And I think it's very timely, given what we went through in 2020, the racial reckoning, seeing young, old, black, white, taking to the streets and saying, no more, no more. Um, It was really, and I think this is why this film is so timely, because yes, we go back and we show their legacy, but we also bring it to today. You see how they impacted it. Barack Obama himself said they were an example to him that propelled him into public service. So I think when we watch a film like this, we're reminded of our history and it lets us know, why am I taking to the streets? And yes, some things we're still fighting for. Some things are very similar that we're fighting for that they did as well. It's heartfelt, it's wonderful. And I can see why, because of the story and the, and the history that you share with one of those airmen, and I guess the story of all of them combined. Robin Roberts, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Next time I'm gonna wear a hoodie. Gonna bring me back on the show. I'm gonna bring- Don't do that to America, Robin. You don't do do that that to America, please. I beg you, do not do that to America. (laughs) Thank you, Trevor. Take care. Tuskegee Airmen, Legacy of Courage will premiere February 10th on the History Channel. Make sure to catch it. All right, when we come back, Netflix star and heartthrob Noah Centineo talks to me on the show about the final installment of To All The Boys. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Noah Centineo, star of the hit Netflix franchise, To All The Boys. We talked about his journey from playing romantic hero to superhero and so much more. Noah Centineo, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Glad to be here. Very uh, non. I mean, so we, we're not even. Is this even social distancing? If we're not even in the same room, this is like telemetric distancing. It's not. I, I think, think it's, it's. I think it's the ultimate form of social distance. Like it's the furthest distance that you can do socially. It's you know not I mean? even be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a social distancing. I like that's it. That's ex- that's exactly what it is. Is this like a Noah thing? Are just Noah's growing their hair? Is that what's going on right now? Okay. <laughs> 
I suppose. I suppose if you pull yours out, is it? It's probably. Oh yeah, mine can go. Yeah, mine. If you if you pull, I, yeah, it can go all the way. I try and keep it like just you know. It depends on the day. I just I, you know I just. Uh, uh, you know, it's, I get it. It's this is a feeling. Yeah, yeah, it is a feeling. Um, but welcome to the show, man. I've wanted to have you on for a while, um, not for anything professional, just because I'm a fan. You know, I uh, I grew up watching rom coms. Like this, there was like a period in my life when rom coms were the best possible movie that you could watch, like in the cinema or at home. And then all of a sudden, rom coms weren't cool. And then I had to act like I didn't like them. And then to all the boys came along. And then yourself and Lana just you took me back to a time that I that I forgot I enjoyed as much as I did. Lara Jean and Peter Kavinsky have this magic on camera, but I feel like yourself and Lana have it off camera as well. You you have this vibe about you as people. It's like, you know, because we live in an age now where back in the day, movie stars were movie stars and that was it. You didn't see them otherwise. Whereas with 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 movie stars of today, we get to touch you and feel you on social media. We get to see who you are when there's no movie taking place. When you look at your life and how it's changed, what do you think is the reason that people are so into you as an actor and as a person right now? Like, there's something that people are clearly gravitating towards. Hmm. It's, I mean, it's a good question. I was talking about this literally like two days ago about the difference between being like in movies 50 years ago versus now is there's, there's practically no barrier, uh, you know, because of social media. It's, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm fairly eccentric and, and fairly quirky and fairly goofy in my own right. And I think because I, I kind of lean into social media without necessarily um, making it a, like a cash cow for myself. Or right, right, right. Yes. Shoot, like doing shoots so that I look a certain way. Like I, I kind of just have utilized social media as a tool to be like, this is what who I am and what I'm doing today. I think I think that combined with you know, doing a project and playing a role like Peter Kavinsky that I guess was relatable or hit a certain way, just kind of made for this storm where people went, oh yeah, I want to continue to see whatever this person's doing. <laughs> is there a part of you that, that that is already sad at the fact that you will never get to be Peter Kavinsky again? I mean, at least maybe you guys will do like an old age home version of it, but for now it's done. If we do an old age home, I want Mark one. Ruffalo to play older Peter Kavinsky. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. I, I can actually see it. You know, I can actually see it. Okay, he makes a, a strong return, reigning champion of rom-coms. Um, bittersweet is like, I guess the most generic way, but accurate way to describe it. Right. Um, sad. No, I don't feel sadness about it. I, I feel, I feel like it's resolved as far as the way that trilogies or series get to resolve. I think that, you know, I feel very good about the resolution. You know, I feel like I've given as much as I possibly can to Peter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have don't really have any regrets. I think, Ooh, this the the thing I care about the most is that the fans, the people that, that that not just follow me, but you know, are that love the the world so much. I hope that they feel fulfillment out of the third movie. Dude, if if people are fans of yours, they they are not gonna suffer um, struggling to find places to watch you. You have become one of the most in demand actors in Hollywood. You're you're gonna be starring in The Diary, directed by Jackie Chan, right? You're gonna be starring alongside. Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Black Adam. And then just, I think like a few days ago, I saw like online, they were like, yeah, Noah's gonna be in the movie about the GameStop shares, things that happen. I was like, how is that even a movie? What is that even, are you like buying the shares? Are you selling the shares? Are you, are you Robin Hood? Are you GameStop? Are you, what, what is happening here? 
my buddy Enzo is super in tune, you know, with uh, with that whole situation. He was telling right. us about it like like three weeks ago, and so I immediately was like, "Well, I'm in. Like, I'm buying into these. Like, I'll buy all. Of them. Like, <laughs> like, like, we're watching it. We're watching it." And um, my manager comes over one day, and he's like, "What are you guys talking about?" Like, with it. and so we were like, blah, 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 blah. "We just like inf- like we're talking incessantly about it." Um, and the next thing I know. Boom, there's a whole project. Ma'am, I'll tell you, as a fan of yours, it's been insane watching the journey. Continue growing, continue having fun. Don't stop being grateful. Thank you for joining me on the show, my dude. Dude, no, of course. Thank you, man. I don't want to say goodbye. Fuck that. There's got to be more. <laughs> <laughs> there's always more. There's always more. But there's time limits on everything. There's time limits on everything. And I just hope the audience watches this interview and goes, you know what? This gave me the conclusion I was looking for. This gave me the ending. I was looking I'm not even going to watch the movie. This was all I needed. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, thanks for joining me, man. Yeah, Chad, thanks for, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. Take care, brother. I'll see you. Don't forget, to all the boys, always and forever, we'll stream on Netflix on February 12th. Make sure you catch it, because you can watch it the next day. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go... This month, as you know, is Black History Month. So please consider supporting Barbershop Books. It's an organization that creates child-friendly reading spaces in barbershops and provides early literacy training to barbers, all to inspire black boys and other vulnerable children to read for fun. If you're able to, then all you gotta do is go to the link below and donate whatever you can. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, do not Put Gorilla Glue on your hair. Only on your gorilla. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.